And welcome on this Sunday morning from the Southeastern Sports Group Studios in downtown Startville. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. You know, a couple of weeks ago we invited Robbie Falk in with uh, 24-7 with the Startwell Daily News. We decided, hey, that sounded pretty good. Let's go out and get somebody else in the media. And then we were like, who is at Georgia? Who's not at Georgia? I was like, you know what? Let's call Stephen Augustinelli with the six-pack and see what he has to say. Stephen, welcome in. We're just going to roundtable this thing and just kind of talk about uh, our thoughts from last night. You good with that? I'm totally good with that. How far down the list did you go to get to me? Well, it was long and extensive, and it actually ran onto the back page of a notepad. So Now, what it was is last night as we were getting done with the postgame show, the question was, who do we know that would be awake after midnight? <laughs> who can Bart we says I know a guy. Who who can we ask? All right, Stephen. Last night, State going on the road, playing at Georgia, led after the first quarter, three nothing, and then it was tied seventeen to seventeen at the half. Okay, early takeaways. Charlie, you first. What is your overall ten thousand foot observation of last night? Is it a moral victory? Is it something that more than we thought last night. Last night we felt good on the post game show. I mean, I, I was, you know, I was, I was almost choking back tears. But what did, what was your thought after you had a night's sleep? What were your thoughts on last night's game? Overall, I don't want to come here this morning and spike the football after a loss. We didn't win the game, and ultimately, it's going to go in the books as a game you didn't win. Now, the question though is, did it give you some hope? Because it did me. There was a lot of talk just on the street corner around water coolers on the internet, that this program was dead, that it had no chance to rebound anything short of three years. But I looked out on the field yesterday and I saw freshmen making plays. I saw Mississippi State answering touchdowns. I saw Will Rogers throwing the football well. And you add all those things up, and guys just look to be having fun. I saw an offensive lineman pushing a running back across the goal line. Haven't seen that in a while. I'll take it. Look, we have gone over to Georgia, and we've taken some beatings over the years. I don't remember a team that's gone over there and fought the way this one did. Steven? I, I'm going ahead and claiming it as a moral victory. Considering, I think I uh, tweeted this last night. Considering the last five weeks or five games for Mississippi State football, I felt a lot better this week than I did coming out of a victory versus Vanderbilt. There's just something that you can build on now. you got something you can point to and say, if this is the 49 we have going forward, if that's truly the case, this is our group, and this is what we're going to do going forward. There was just there was positivity, and I'm, I'm approaching this as a fan. There was positivity with watching the game. I didn't turn it off. I wasn't frustrated watching the game. There was effort, and it just it, it for a fan it gets you excited again about Mississippi State football because I think the fan base had lost some of that excitement since the LSU game. You know, with, with the Arkansas game, you're like, all right, we just lost. And then it just continued to go down here. So the biggest thing is I felt better coming out of a loss than I did a win versus Vanderbilt. And so to me, I know some people are saying, don't call this a moral victory. It's a moral victory for me, I think, for our fan base. It's just something to build upon. I'd ask Stephen Augustadelli of the six-pack. Here's the thing. When I, when I look back at, at last night, you talked about it being, you know, a, a moral victory and how hard you play. Here's the thing I ask. Is is last night, and I tweeted this about I like to see effort. Has the effort not been there? Have, have we missed seeing effort, or is it just execution? 
I mean, in our minds. I mean, because I'm just trying to figure out. There may have been some times where I kind of questioned that. I'm, I'm just curious, from the effort standpoint, is it, is effort sometimes based upon how you perform? Well, sometimes I would say that indecision sometimes appears like lack of effort. Guys who are confused about who they're going to block and just stand there, it looks like they're not trying when perhaps they've just locked up mentally. I thought what we saw last night was a team who just kind of said that they I've got the freedom to make a mistake. They did not look a team like a team worried about being wrong. They looked like a bunch of guys just playing. How many times last night did we see the offensive line moving at the snap? In some cases a little bit before it. But they were moving. They looked like they were doing something with a purpose and not just standing there. So it's. I think it's pretty easy to say that we haven't had effort. It's probably the case to some degree, but I thought what you saw was a team last night that was just kind of cut free of the worry and just played. And, may, and maybe that's what they needed. I will say this, you know, my, my sports career stopped at high school, but when you have positivity and when something starts going right, it just starts building upon itself and you just you play, start playing a little bit looser. So once once you get something positive, you're not worried about making the mistake anymore. You're just playing at that point. And so, like you're saying, when, you, when you're not worrying while you're playing, it makes a huge difference as far as how your approach is. And, you know, they, effort, like y'all said, effort and performance, I think maybe go hand in hand. And when you're doing bad, you maybe notice that you, you, you bring the terms together and you're saying that effort and performance might, might be joined together. But when we're doing bad, I'm sure there's effort there, but you just notice it more. When you're doing bad versus when you're doing good, you're thinking, "Hey, effort's bad when you're doing bad, and effort's good when you're doing good." So they're kind of they're kind of joined at the hip, I think, somewhat from a fan's point of view. But it was just exciting last night, and it was enjoyable to watch. I think it's the most fun I've had. Well, I don't even think I know it's the most fun I've had since the LSU game. Watching as a fan, the Vanderbilt game, even though we won it, felt like torture to some degree. Last night just looked a little bit more like that team that was having fun playing football. And here's the thing. Here's what, to me, set the tone. Looking back at it, and I kind of winced when we started the game last night, and you start talking about plays that you think may have dictated the game. And I look at the play-by-play today, and it says Mississippi State won the toss and elected to receive. We took the football. Against Vanderbilt, we won the toss. We deferred. And what's the old adage? You put your best unit out there first. A lot of teams defer coming out of the gate. We went on the road. It was almost like, guys, to heck with it. We're getting the football. And I know we only had like 20-something guys, 20 guys last night, scholarship guys on defense. But we took the football as if to say, you know what? We're going to try to set the tone here. And you kind of wonder how the entire 60 minutes of football was predicated off of how we played in that opening drive. We only got three points out of it, but we held the football. We made good throws. Our line blocked well, but coming out of the gate last night and getting something positive, we didn't give up a big play coming out of the gate and let Georgia get all the momentum. It was almost like we're going to take the football, we're going to seize the momentum early, and I thought we played off of that positivity. Yeah, we ran 15 plays and held it for over half of the first quarter. That I get it, it was just three points, but there was something about that to me that just kind of said we're here to play and that we can go toe-to-toe with you. I thought it was a team playing to win. Didn't win, but I thought they were playing to win and not so much this idea of we're worried about losing. Hey, we didn't give up a flea flicker to start the game. No, it was a better start than 2017. 
right, I got to ask you guys, Steve and Bart, you go back to that first series, you drive it down the field. You know, there's been a lot of discussion about Will Rogers and where he fits into the future. I saw a guy who led the team, who threw some really nice balls last night. I'm curious your takeaways on where you think Will Rogers is. I think he, he took – he finally did what everyone was saying, take what the defense gives you. And I think he did this in other games too, but this time it led to points against a decent team. He looked like somebody who was in control of the offense. And it was the classic Mike Leach ball control approach. Has anybody, which is a joke, has anybody ever looked at what he did at previous stops and what his average time of possession is with his other teams? Yeah, Washington State, I mean, they were, you know, top half of the league in, in time of possession. And I think what, Charlie, they had just one year out of his time at Washington State where they lost the, the time of possession battle overall for the season? Yeah, just one time. And you, you would think that, you know, with with the way his offense is no what it's known for, you would think time of possession would be something that's not high on their list. But for at least for this offense and what the defense has given us, and this is what Will Rogers did last night. He threw underneath when it was open, and we took the shots when we did, which was on that Jaden Wally fifty-one yard touchdown. Uh, that was the sh- that was the opportunity that was there, and we took advantage of it. So you know, just methodically move the ball downfield and take what the defense gives you, and that's what he did last night. That showed promise for the future. You know, I, I I want to go back to the point, and I mean, I, I've beaten this this horse pretty hard about the lack of spring practice, and I know nobody had spring practice. And when you start talking about you know first year offense, you know, a lot of teams, you know, when they have a first year head coach, they keep somewhat similar scheme. I mean, we completely changed our scheme, and then you got a freshman quarterback out there, Will Rogers, who had really taken no appreciable steps at all in the spring until you know the fall gets here and he's working out with the team. But then your offensive line, I thought last week, and I said it last night on the post game, and maybe I'm overplaying his hand. The the stand from the standpoint of not having spring practice and having an extra week off to be able to go in and work on you, especially with the offensive line. I thought Mason Miller in the offensive line last night for the first three quarters, man, hey, got after it. They were the aggressor at the line of scrimmage. I just think last week having the week off, it allows you to get your timing down. It allows a freshman quarterback to to get his timing down. I only saw a couple times last night where the throw was probably a half count late. And and that's what you normally see out of quarterbacks that are young, the indecision, and they throw it late, and then all of a sudden the defensive back steps in and picks it off and goes the other way. Now, there was one time last night where Georgia had a pick and just dropped it. But at the end of the day, I think so much of last night was just having an extra week to get in there and practice and, and just get acclimated to what you're trying to do. Steven, you were talking about time of possession. I thought this was interesting last night. You know, a lot of times you talk about this offense, throwing it to the running backs is kind of like your version of the running game. And so what it tells you is you better be pretty good at getting it to them. We targeted our running backs in the passing game 16 times, had 15 completions. So even though you're not running the football, it's amazing how a, quote, air raid offense was able to control the time of possession for the most part. It was. I mean, you, you noticed that when Will Rogers was – when the ball would be snapped, he would check down to the wide receiver. Like you said, it, it was noticeable how often that was happening. He was just – like I said earlier, he was taking what the defense was giving him. And if that if that's what it takes for, for us to score at this point for Mississippi State, then do it. And I think that's what you do going forward. 
anyway, but it was just positive to see, and I'm going to reiterate this, it was positive to see something that would get the fan base excited, and we needed it because the past five games, it's, there was from the offensive side of the football, it was tough to find something to build upon. And I think last night proved that we got something to go, go with going forward. You know, flip the, the script and flip the page a little bit, and let's talk about the defense. And we said going into the game yesterday that this is one of those games where Zach Arnett, with the minimal amount of players, probably had to be overly aggressive. He's an aggressive defensive coach, but we had to be overly aggressive last night. And I look back and, and watching the game, it was almost like you're going to pick your poison of how you're going to get beat. Uh, we are not going to get beat running the football. We are going to come up. We are going to play the run. And if we get beat, it's going to be because Georgia threw it on us. And to be honest with you, so far this year, Georgia has not been a team that's been able to throw the football. You wonder if Stetson Bennett you know, <laughs> could have been the quarterback just just one one more week. One just you know just one more week and. But, you know, what that does is it really leaves you open and on an island as a defensive back. And Georgia hit the home run balls last night. But it was a situation to me of you've got some guys, some young guys in that defensive secondary who were literally put on an island last night. Yeah, there was a couple of times when you saw your safeties, uh, about five steps. I'm not going to say a step late, about five steps late, getting to a ball thrown deep over the middle. I thought that Emerson played a pretty good game. Uh, Martin Emerson had 11 tackles. They were all solos. So not only did he cover well, he got up in run support. And it looked like at times, you know, Forbes got beat a little bit on the other side. But it looked like even when he was there, that Daniels, he put some balls right where they had to be placed, made a lot of big third down throws. But like you say, he just didn't have a whole lot of help. But, man, it seemed like they were good throwing the ball on third down. They were, and that, that brings up that third and 20, uh, you know, for where they scored their last touchdown. And I don't necessarily have a problem with the approach because with risk comes reward. And we took a risk. And, you know, with, with how depleted our roster is, and especially our defensive side of the ball, and especially the secondary, I think someone said before the game that we had four corners warming up before the game started. Yeah, are you, you familiar take- with the work of Jay Jemison, by the way? Because he played yesterday. A walk-on <laughs> cornerback from Colin goes back to those guys you didn't even know were on the roster. And here you are playing Georgia with, with brand-new guys. It just highlights exactly what you're talking about. And I think State was saying, you know, let's not even allow them to kick a field goal in that scenario. And they, they went for it, and unfortunately we got burned by it. But it is what it is. And I, if there's one thing I can't fault for this team, for the season is the way the defense has performed and what Zach Arnett has done with what before the season was going to be the weakest unit. And they have turned out to be not even, not the strongest unit for the team, but one of the strongest defenses in the SEC. And last night they had a rough game because we, we, we are depleted. But some of the things he does while you're watching, like the, uh, the rotation of the defensive line on, on the snap to, to create angles to get to the quarterback, it, it's fun to watch. And uh, I just, I think he's done an amazing job this year. But last night was just a game where our secondary was depleted and Georgia took advantage on some deep balls. And that was, that's just the that, – I think that's the biggest takeaway from the game as far as if you look at it just from a win-loss scenario. And that's Stephen Agostinelli of the six-pack. We're talking with Stephen this morning on our Sunday coffee, Bart Gregory and Charlie Winfield. You know, here's the thing, and I look back at 
if I'm Zach Arnett coming into that game, you know, the first thought is this. Georgia is the first team, you know, other than Alabama. Alabama runs the ball some, but they throw it a lot. This is really the first team who has had success running the football, and you thought that Georgia, you know, was going to line up as an offense, use its big offensive line, and blow you off the ball and try to control the time and wear you down. If, if I'm a guy who – does not have a, a number of players. The last thing I want is somebody going on a 10, 12 play drive, just wiping your defense completely out. It's almost like feast or famine. You know, I'm about to come at you after you with a blitz, or you're going to about hit a big play. And, and going back to Emmanuel Forbes, and, you know, Charlie brought up Emmanuel Forbes, how many times do you see, you know, a freshman take their lumps at cornerback? It's almost like cornerbacks that if you have to play as a freshman, those are the guys that, that end up being really good for you. You have to be thrown to the fire and understand what you're doing. I mean, I, I look back at it, and, and I'm not I'm not comparing Emmanuel Forbes. He, he's, got a, he's got a good look. He's got a good frame as a cornerback. But I think of guys like Kevin Dockery. You know, Kevin Dockery is a freshman from Hernando. The only reason we got Kevin Dockery, it was almost like a package deal to get Delwan Robinson. And Kevin Dockery couldn't cover me. I mean, he was he was not very good at all. And then the guy spends more than a cup of coffee in the NFL with the New York Giants just because he figured it out and because he played a lot as a freshman. Tavares Calhoun, to me, was not very good as a freshman, but he got better. He went to the NFL. The guy from Morton, great kid. But, I mean, we've had guys like that throughout our history who we look out there and you see them getting beat. And, hey, he had good coverage several times last night. You talk about JT Daniels making some good throws. But we've had some guys in our history before looking out there as freshmen and he's like, man, that guy is really struggling at cornerback. And then they turn out to be all world. <laughs> I remember I had a guy that sat by me. In the entire freshman season of Walt Harris, I got the lecture on how Walt Harris would never make it. Uh, as a college cornerback, you know, turned out to be okay, as you say, way more. He played years in the NFL. And l- like you were saying, Forbes was on top of the uh, – there were some out routes that I think Georgia was running that Forbes was right there. I mean, the guy just made the play. And I think that's part of the difference of just being a freshman versus an upperclassman. Uh, the, the receiver just knew he, – he knew exactly what to do. With Forbes comes comes with experience. In a few years, he'll he'll be making those plays. I didn't have a problem with the way he played. They just, you know, Georgia took advantage of where we were depleted the most, and that's that's part of the game. You know, it's amazing how you know I was talking about you know Dockery right there and Tavares Calhoun. It's amazing how you see guys, and sometimes you start drawing comparisons. When I see Sean Preston, okay, when I see Sean Preston coming up and making tackles at the line of scrimmage. It reminds me of Matt Wells. Remember how Matthew Wells used to come up, yeah. the guy from Monticello, just great speed, and it had a head for the ball around the line of scrimmage. But Matt Wells was not your, your quote-unquote cover guy. I mean, he was a safety trying to cover a wide receiver, and that's what Sean was last night on giving up that big touchdown play in the zero coverage. But he reminds me a lot, the way that he plays, the aggression, he reminds me a lot of a Matt Wells. Are you seeing that, Stephen, or I'm, I'm just kind of trying to make that up? No, because the thing I've loved Sean Preston since game one. Uh, I didn't know who he was until the LSU game, but he's just a headhunter. I mean, he just goes out there and knocks heads. He's he's literally. I think he's my favorite player on the defense. And he, from a size perspective, Matt Wells is a little bit bigger, but Sean Preston plays like Matt Wells as far as the way they approach the game. He's just my guy for the defense, and I, I love the way he plays. I, I wish there were twelve of them out there. 
I tell you, the guy I love watching plays Aaron Brule. Uh, you know, that's still yeah. a young guy, and he's going to play football for a long time. Yeah, he plays with a swagger, and that's what you want. And here, here's the thing we haven't talked about, you know, with – and we talked about it last night in the post game about, yeah, we had some depletion, and, you know, we, we only had 20 scholarship guys on defense, but we had some guys playing completely out of position in a game last night. And that's the thing about going into – and guys that ended up playing well. A guy like Nathaniel Watson, these guys haven't taken snaps in practice in those positions – and so you're, you're talking about stopping a run against Georgia, and I think that's one of the reasons that if you're Zach Arnett, you, you have to play the hand of, you know, we're going to be overly aggressive and try to force some things and try to get off the field one way or the other is because not only were you lacking in cornerback, I mean, we had an entire – our Sam – we didn't have a Sam linebacker that made the trip to Athens, Georgia. Now, you saw Watson get the start there who had to slide over. But during the game, I noticed at times Jet Johnson getting snaps there, yep. R.J. Jennings getting snaps there. I mean, it was it was an adventure in the linebacking core. All right, so where do we go from here? here? Here's the thing that I take away from last night and, and the questions that I get asked all the time about where do you go from here. You can say all day long. You can, you can talk it all day long in the press. But you, you've got to show me. And you kind of wondered, you know, what the mood was like, what the toxicity level was over in the SEAL building. Had this team quit? Had this team said, you know what, you know, we, we've taken our lumps. We've had our injuries. we got plenty of excuses. You know, we, we've got so many guys out. I mean, is, is this the situation of we're just going to try to fight through this and get to 2021? I think last night kind of gives you hope for the final three games of the season. It, does, it brings you hope. I mean, it brings you hope for the remaining three games. I think that's the biggest thing that we needed. And, of course, like I said, I'm, pro- I'm approaching this as a fan, that we needed as a fan base. And for the players especially. I think I think the players, you know, every game they're going out there, they're trying to win. But it just brings excitement for me as a fan to say, hey, I'm going to turn on the game and I, I'm expecting something now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out from a scheduling stand- standpoint. But the biggest thing is, like you're saying, we're not looking towards 2021. We're looking for looking towards the next three games that we have left on the schedule, and uh, let's win some games. I mean, that, that's the, that's the point of this. And I think there's an opportunity there in all three games, even Auburn. Uh, just I think State, the way their defense plays, and if, if if we approach offensively the way we did last night, there's an opportunity for three wins. And if it happens, I mean, that's huge for the program. And if it doesn't, at least we have something to look back on from this Georgia game to say this is this is our, our way going forward for, to finish out the season. I think for me the big takeaway from last night is that there's still hope and hopefully there is some confidence in this offense. You put up 24 points. I get it. That's not going to explode any scoreboards. But every one of those drives was over 70 yards. You didn't have anything easy, anything cheap. And with all the discussion that has been taking place over the past six weeks of can this offense work in this league, it worked last night, and it worked against one of the better defenses in the SEC. And you saw a quarterback who last year was playing Northwest Rankin, this year is playing at Georgia, making good reads for the most part, finding open guys, giving them a chance to make plays, and I think hopefully it will just calm some of those fears because you know those guys are thinking the same thing we are. Is this going to work? 
Are we in a system that can't can't win in this league? I'm hoping that last night gives those guys some hope and gives our fan base a little bit of assurance, too, that, yeah, this can work. All right, going forward, we're supposed to play Ole Miss this week. Here's the thing is we were at a very, you know, emergency level last night. We probably couldn't have taken one or two less guys. I mean, that's that's kind of where we are. So now all of a sudden, you know, I think every game you play, and that's for a lot of people in the league. I mean, I think Arkansas was you know, very close yesterday. I think, um, you know, LSU has been close at times. and then, But here's the thing. Now, I hate to say this from a glass-half-empty guy, but have you set the precedent? Have you set a bad precedent of taking – we're taking 49 scholarship guys. The, you know, the 53 has been the threshold. The 53 is you got to play. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the threshold where you've, you've got to play football. But now Mississippi State showing that you can go under that threshold because I saw media guys around the league last night saying, hey, I thought you had to have 53. And then there was clarification, hey, no, you have the option. Now all of a sudden does that come back to not just Mississippi State but other teams in the league of when a game is canceled, well, hey, Mississippi State went over there and played less than the threshold. Yeah, and does it set to kind of this bad pressure on teams? in terms of, you know, what's the narrative now if a team doesn't go play? You chickens, you didn't want to play, you know, all those kind of things. When, in fact, you know, when this whole thing started, what we talked about was that the health of the student-athletes was paramount, that that was the number one consideration. I have no idea what went into Mississippi State playing or not playing. I don't know what the discussions with the league office were, and I hate to speculate. My guess, however, is – that there was probably some fairly strong desire for Mississippi State to go play that football game. Can't you just picture the conversation, hey, you boys are going to lose anyway. Go ahead and take it. Go ahead and take it this week. What's it matter? And of course, the other thing is a more practical aspect from a Mississippi State perspective. If you don't play last night, all the problems that you had last night because of the periods of time that are at work, you very likely have again this week. And can you imagine going a full month without playing football and trying to play again? Because that's where you would be. You would have missed three weeks, potentially, if you didn't play this week and then lose last week as well. Well, Charlie, I love to speculate. So I'm going to go ahead and throw out a conspiracy theory for this. Is that I think maybe the SEC office came to Mississippi State and said, you know, if, you, if your roster is this depleted, you got a choice between this week or next week to play. And State chose the opportunity to play this week and let's say, let's push the Egg Bowl to 1219 and this will give us an opportunity for more practice uh some more experience some more games under our belt and it might come back and backfire but the other thing that bart mentioned a few minutes ago is that even state has set the precedence now of if you got less than 53 you play so what happens this week is if we have less than 53 we play at georgia but we don't play at Ole miss which i'm all for i'm for waiting to the end of the season but it's going to be hard to justify that reasoning if we do choose that option because we did it versus Georgia. It'll be – I'm really interested to see how this plays out this week if we do actually play the game. Does it kind of surprise you that we listed the number? Because there's a lot of schools – you know, Kentucky had a lot of guys out yesterday, and they were all trying to figure out how many guys Kentucky traveled. You know, against Vanderbilt two weeks ago, 
Vanderbilt comes out early and says, you know, we only have 55 players today or whatever they had. We had less than that, but we didn't publicize it. And I don't think we publicized it. I think just, you know, some some media got some scoop is what they got. And because we haven't seen no official word about exactly how many guys we took to Georgia last night other than what the media was reporting. And evidently, there may be some – you know, some sources over in the SEAL building that are giving all kind of information to writers in Alabama, but we don't know this. I mean, they're not telling us this. So you, you kind of wonder if if it dipped down to, to 45. Or, you know, we're, we're talking about right now of last night, as the media were reporting, 49 guys. I mean, if you – know, you, though, but – I think one of the things that we sometimes make a mistake on is looking at the overall number and not so much how they're allocated, meaning if I've got eight, nine linebackers and the fact that one of them isn't used to playing on the strong side and used to playing on the weak side, look, come on, it's football. Nobody's going to get hurt. You may lose because of that. You may be worse off, but you're not going to get anybody hurt. If, on the other hand, you have three linemen go out for contact tracing and – You have to play behind a bunch of guys who haven't played. Now you're putting your quarterback at risk. You're putting other people at risk as well. And now guys can get physically hurt by the lack of talent, lack of experience on the field. And so in my estimation, it also matters a little bit who those 49 are. Do you think that the state put that 49 out there? I mean, it could be just a little bit of a PR approach to this too. There's an excuse of maybe why – we would have get we, we would have been beaten by thirty points by Georgia. Hey, they were depleted versus they didn't say it a few weeks ago. That's my only other thought of maybe why they put the number out there. It feels it was, a little bit it, like a protection mechanism, doesn't it? It does, and it, I, I would have used it. Hey. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we had my players; they did the best they could. We'll have forty nine on the back of the helmets next week. <laughs> but, but you know, now you can you, you can point to it. We got our 49. Let's go forward. Look at the effort they put there. So it kind of, even though they put it back there, now now it's a rallying cry at this point. Let's go. It's exciting now going forward. There's some excitement among the fan base, even in a loss. And like I said, I think this this loss is better than the one we had previously versus Vandy. Steven Agostinelli with the six-pack. We got anything else we want to talk about? Well, I would just say this. There were times last night. Let's talk about Ole Miss for one second. The one thing that I did not like was the fact that I saw Georgia completing balls down the field. And if I think about what can make Ole Miss successful and what does, man, they throw it deep down the middle of the field as good as any team I've seen. I get it. We decided to stop the run last night. We're going to have to figure out how to stop the, the ball 50 yards between the hashes here in about a week. But let me ask this. Is, I mean, Ole Miss is a completely different team than Georgia. Ely's a good running back, but they have not presented the the running ability of a Georgia this year. So the question then becomes is do you have to sell out as much against Ole Miss as you did against Georgia? Can you play it different in your secondary? That That's my main question going in. Is, I hope so. Is because, yeah, because to me – Ole Miss is Ole Miss is you know a, a good passing team. They're they're a really good passing football team. You know Arkansas had some success stopping it, uh, but there's been some very good defenses who have had some trouble with Ole Miss, and so that that's kind of you know, got to create you, turnovers. Yeah, you, you got to create turnovers, but um, I think you may see you know, state play it a little bit different in the secondary 
than you saw you know against Georgia. Stephen, you agree with that? I do. And the other side of the coin is that Ole Miss's defense is absolutely horrible, and that gives an opportunity again for the offense to move the ball. And uh, it's just it's the egg ball. So you know, you use the old cliche, throw the records out, but. Uh, there's an opportunity for our offense to be successful next week. And regardless if we're running or throwing, Ole Miss has been horrible every every way. Think about this. South Carolina scored 10 points last night. They scored 42 the previous week. Yeah, I had not thought about that. That's true. And, uh, you know, you, you hate to compare week to week, but this is Ole Miss's defense is so bad that I think we can. there's, a, there's an opportunity to overcome how, how, to overcome how good their offense is. And it's, I, I see it being a shootout, and probably next week if we do play the game, it'll be 10-7. to 7. <laughs> <laughs> But let me ask you this. Compared to yesterday morning, 24 hours ago, Saturday morning, how high what, – what's the percentage jump that went in your mind from the chances that we have to beat Ole Miss from yesterday morning to right now? Uh let me let me do a quick math. 100%. <laughs> oh, so we're 100% going to win? Is that what you're saying? Oh, 100% more of a chance to win. Uh, I, I was just saying that the biggest thing is that, you know, going in, going in from yesterday morning and now the way I feel this morning, it's just a completely different feeling towards Mississippi State football. I, mean, I, was, I was like I was expecting to turn off the game and be down 30 points in the second quarter. That's really what I was, I was thinking. And I wouldn't necessarily turn off the game, but I wouldn't pay attention to it. But last night I was in the game. I was screaming making my kids be scared for a little bit. Uh, we were giving high fives. It was just fun to watch. And it's been five weeks, five games, since it's been fun to watch Mississippi State play football, at least from the offensive side. And last night I was having fun watching State. And for a fan, that's the biggest thing. You want to make an appointment television. And last night proved again that I'm, it's appointment television to watch Mississippi State for the remainder of the season. Hey Stephen, we appreciate you joining us this morning. Sorry to get you out of bed so early. Oh no, I was I was up at six thirty. I got young kids, so they're ready to rock and roll. <laughs> Charlie, good times as always. We'll see you later in the week. Yeah, uh, real quick before we go, odds that we have a show next Sunday morning. The odds that we play? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't even want to put a number on it because I have no idea if we'll play next week. I really don't. Stephen, what do you think? I think it's the fact that we played this week. I think it's sixty forty. We play. It's just going for me from a P, from a PR perspective. It's going to look horrible if we back out. But like Charlie said, if we if we lose three players this week, that's a huge deal. Versus if we had seventy players. So I mean, every player that we lose makes the decision that much easier to make, in my opinion. What do you think, Charlie? I think. I, look, this is like the roulette wheel here. I can put it on black or I can put it on red. I'm putting my marker on. We're going to have a long Thanksgiving break. You think? You think we just push it back later? Uh, there's just so little room for we, – we, there's so little room for any injury, any anything, any illness. And right now, I'll just say this. All the talk aside, if we were to get another case or two of COVID on this team, it's over. Yeah. That's how thin the margin is. So I'm not a virologist. You know, I can't predict to what degree that it's going to spread or not. But what we do know is it's spreading in in the state of Mississippi. There is no extra room. If there is a single one or two guys, then I think 
I don't think we play. All right, guys, we enjoyed it. We have a regular show on Thursdays. Out of Left Field is presented by Farm Bureau, Country Pleasing Sausage, and Cannon Ford of Startville. And appreciate those folks and sponsoring us throughout the year. And uh, we just decided to put this together on a Sunday morning. Appreciate Stephen Agustinelli from the Six Pack joining us. For Charlie Winfield, I'm Bart Gregory saying so long. Appreciate you hanging out with us over the last half hour.